0: We wanted something that, as we say in Arabic, looks like us. or uh, We can see ourselves in it. And we're a bunch of feminists. Who is it for?
1: I want to say it's for everybody. I mean, everybody needs feminism, right? The internet offers incredible possibility, but at this moment, without a really thoughtful critique of the way we experience it, it will continue to reify the inequalities of the world that we already live in, particularly in the time of COVID. I think this is a really stark reminder for us how the normal is not what we want to go back to because the normal is terrible for most people in the world.
2: None of us were prepared for a pandemic. We're all having to figure out new ways of doing things. And so this is where innovation and invention comes into place. So we need women on the front line to actually be the ones building those solutions.
3: Welcome to Our Voices, Our Choices, the gender politics podcast from the Heinrich Böll Foundation. I'm your host, Esme Nicholson. In this series, we'll be exploring how technology is being used to reshape feminism and advance its diverse causes, from fighting gender inequalities compounded by racism, to women's and trans rights activism, and to climate justice. We'll hear how digital tools such as social media provide campaigners with a voice they are otherwise denied, and how they're disrupting disproportionately male decision-making processes around the world. This episode comes to you from the confines of various lockdowns on different continents as societies across the globe shelter from the COVID-19 pandemic. Connecting via video chat at kitchen tables, we talk to digital feminist activists from Kenya, India, Lebanon, Uruguay and Brazil about the intersection of the coronavirus with gender and race. Initially described as indiscriminate, it's become clear that COVID-19 impacts men and women differently. While the disease itself appears to be claiming more men's lives, women are vulnerable in other ways. Victims of domestic gender-based violence are more exposed than ever under lockdown. And more than 70% of the world's health and care workers on the front lines are women as we'll hear this episode's guests have quickly adapted their digital practices not only to circumvent the limitations of stay-at-home measures but also as a means to tackle the virus's impact on existing gender inequalities for my first guest abia gatas this meant ditching new technology for old
0: hi everybody how are you i think my mic is working now Yes,
2: yes, it's working now.
3: This is Hamam Radio, and it's been on air for a matter of months. Abiyah Gatas, a digital security expert and feminist activist from Lebanon, launched it as countries went on lockdown.
0: Hamam Talks Hamam Radio. Radio is something fascinating, right? Because we have computers, we have the internet, we had social media, but radio is still here. People still tune into the radio and there is this intimacy to it that is very beautiful, right?
3: Katas says it's this intimacy that's crucial in lockdown when people are in need of comfort and company. As a pop-up online station, Hammam Radio broadcasts in Arabic and its multiple dialects, as well as in French and English to listeners across the globe.
0: I hope you guys can hear me. Hello. Um, yeah, we can, we can hear you. Okay, and I'm joining here from Bahrain. I haven't been on the radio for like, what, a month? So I feel like hugging the radio but my sirfa. I'm sending everyone a hug. Who's listening in is mostly women from Lebanon, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, which like makes me so happy. Kuwait, Qatar, Bahrain, Germany, the US, the UK, Russia.
3: Like a real hammam, which in Arabic, Persian and Turkish refers to a public bath or spa, Hammam Radio offers a safe space online to retreat to for self-care, where women can focus on themselves and on each other, to share stories and voice their opinions freely.
0: It protects but also empowers at the same time because it's my voice, like, come at me, like,
3: what are you going to do? Katas says radio provides a level of safeguarding that social media doesn't. Women can express themselves without the fear of an abusive backlash or trolling. And yet anyone can participate and sign up for a show. The result is a feminist station with a diverse schedule.
0: You have women DJs. You have the very personal, intimate, sexual, gender-related topics. We talked about the hymen. We have the series called Viva la Vulva, which is in Arabic, which is amazing, by the way, because like a show about everything that is a vulva in Arabic. This has never happened. So we have that. We talk about relationship, how not to date an Arab woman, for example. And then you have the very political shows like Hamam Talks. We had Saudi activist Safal Ahmad. We had an activist from the Western uh, Sahara, Sudan. Next week, we have Maryam Al Khawaja from Bahrain. So it's very like political.
3: Gata says that one of the most powerful shows addressed the fact that for many women, the COVID 19 quarantine measures are nothing new. This was the case for co host Lugen Zhou.
0: So Lugen presented this show where she said, I want to talk about being locked down as a woman, but not because of the pandemic. She went on air for an hour and a half talking about growing up in Iraq, being a part of her family, being locked in her room, just because she's a
3: woman. Gata says Hamam Radio's website chat box was buzzing in response to this show, with women sharing similar stories of confinement unrelated to the pandemic. She adds that while providing a chat function risks online abuse, her listeners wouldn't be as candid without being able to post anonymously. As an added safety precaution, Gattas deletes these chats so that, like the radio ether, the space is transient and impenetrable to trolls. But she bemoans the fact that this is necessary and says that harassment is a tool used by both individuals and authoritarian governments to lock down women and other marginalised individuals virtually as well as in real life.
0: Most often, men count on us to remain silent. Always, my advice is, Take screenshots of everything, 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 and then share them. If you do not feel comfortable enough to share this personally, find someone who you trust enough to be willing to do this. So think about your support network, because the bros, when they come at women, they don't come alone.
1: Our voices, our choices,
3: Using harassment to silence women, people of colour and LGBTQIA communities online is not the only problem. Many have no online presence in the first place. Our next guests are working collectively at different corners of the globe to change this.
1: More than half of the world is online right now. Of those who are online, three-fourths are from the Global South. 45% of all women are online, and yet the internet does not look like any of us.
3: That's Anna Suya Sengupta, a digital feminist activist from India. She's the co-founder of the Who's Knowledge campaign, which strives to correct the internet's distorted representation of knowledge by making it less white, less straight, less male and less global north in origin. Sengupta says that effectively they're busy decolonizing the internet so that it reflects the marginalised communities who actually make up the majority of the world.
1: Some of the groups that we work with are the Dalit Bahujan community in South Asia, which have been Traditionally marginalized through extremely oppressive structures of caste. We work with queer folks in Bosnia and Herzegovina who have been marginalized and stigmatized in multiple ways, including through the Bosnian wars. We work with Native American communities in North America, for instance, who were not even allowed to practice their faith and their culture and express their knowledges
3: legally till 1978 to centre these and other peripheral voices whose knowledge works with archives, libraries, museums and educational institutions to broaden the wealth of sources on which public knowledge is based. They're also working with Wikipedia, the world's biggest online encyclopaedia, to help it become a truly global repository. Adeli Vrana is a social justice activist from Brazil. She's also a co-founder of the Who's Knowledge campaign.
4: The volunteers that are editing Wikipedia uh, and doing an amazing job, uh, but have been mostly coming from global north and are coming from a white, male, cis, naval background, are then familiar with certain sources, newspapers, magazines, scholarly publications, and might not be as familiar with uh, global south publications, for example.
3: Brana says this unwitting editorial bias leads to many entries being deleted, widening Wikipedia's existing gender and racial gaps.
4: Around 20% of Wikipedia's biography are about women. From that 20%, which is not much at all for starters, around 20% have images. Invisibility is a form of violence as well. Uh, You are negating the rights of existence and recognition of that person.
3: Fixing this editorial bias is a long-term project, but the Who's Knowledge team is also working on faster ways to make Wikipedia more representative of its users.
0: It is important to create new communities inside the Wikimedia because those new communities will be the
1: seed for changes.
3: Mariana Fossati, a feminist activist from Uruguay, heads up the Visible Wiki Women campaign for whose knowledge? Female
0: communities, LGBT communities, indigenous communities, not people isolated, not users as, as individuals because probably they will fail in make this kind of political change inside the community.
3: The Visible Wiki Women campaign encourages people to upload freely licensed images of women to Wikimedia Commons, something that doesn't require editorial permission. It's a quick way to carve out online space for notable black, brown, indigenous and trans women who've gone unrecognised. This year, the focus is influential women fighting the coronavirus pandemic, from health workers and caregivers, virologists and epidemiologists, to contact tracers and politicians. But diversifying sources and entries on Wikipedia is not the only option. Whose knowledge co-founder Anasuya Sengupta Gupta says there are many simple steps social media users can take to help make the internet a truly diverse, emancipatory, and democratic space, and that this, particularly in lockdown, is one way to broaden your horizons,
1: right? You're on Twitter. Everybody is there. You're on Instagram. Who do you attribute? Whose posts are you reading? And whose posts are you referencing? If you're a woman, if you're from the Global South, if you're uh, black or brown, let's amplify our people more because they're not seen as much. If you don't look like us, why don't you amplify us, right? Who are your references, Sometimes it's just as simple as that. Look at who your Twitter feed is. Look at who your followers are. Start following those you don't normally follow and see how unexpected the the treasures that you will find around the ways to reimagine and and rethink the world. Our voices, our choices.
3: To Kenya now, where during the coronavirus pandemic, social media is being used as a tool of empowerment.
2: The pandemic has revealed how huge the digital divide is in this country.
3: Linda Kamau is co-founder of Akira Chicks, an organisation in Nairobi that teaches young women to code. Many of their students have never used a computer.
2: I want to see a world where women are creators and drivers and leaders of tech. There's a huge tech boom in the African continent, so we can't have the women being left behind.
3: Akira Chicks provides the skills young women need to break free from the vicious cycle of poorly paid, precarious jobs for which many of them are otherwise destined. Karmout says it's not just about technical know-how. The programme also instils its female students with the confidence needed to get ahead in the predominantly male tech sector.
2: There's a lot of barriers that inhibit the success of young people, and some of those are really home-based that we cannot control unless we have the students in one specific space. And so creating a, a safe space for them to be able to learn you know, from each other, to just feel comfortable to know that I have 10 months to change my life from what it used to be to something else different
3: but since covid-19 hit nairobi these girls haven't been able to attend classes on campus working from home is difficult because many don't have computers so akira chicks has turned to tech for a simple solution
2: we asked ourselves what is the one thing that we think these students can access at least over 90% of them had phones that had WhatsApp. They were basic phones because they would not install more than two apps. So he told us that at least we know everyone will be able to access WhatsApp from home, even if it's not on their phone, at least even in the phone of a, a family member, they'll be able to access WhatsApp.
3: While Akira Chicks has been able to move its syllabus to improvised app-based learning in a matter of days, working from home poses other challenges beyond their control.
2: Some of the problems that we are facing uh, things like power outages. Those are huge right now. And especially because it's the rainy season in Kenya and, and it's worse when you're not based in the city because it can take even a day or two before the power guys come and fix it so you you means that a student might miss class for almost two days so you have that you have the network issues again because of coverage and then also we've had um a few challenges in terms of home issues that could be affecting some of their participation parents struggling now to provide in terms of food and you know in a normal day when they were at school they'd have four meals but now you're finding people having two meals some even less and so you're like It means that if you didn't have lunch, there's no way you're going to concentrate in the afternoon class.
3: Carmel says they've been able to fund these families so that their students don't go hungry – And while learning computer programming remotely without a computer is not without its difficulties, even on a full stomach, Carmel says using WhatsApp is proving particularly effective for learning syntax. On a computer, students would normally copy and paste programming language. Since lockdown, their students have been doing syntax exercises with pen and paper before photographing their work and sending it in to the WhatsApp group. Kamal says this will put her students at a significant advantage to their peers adding that once you're fluent in a programming language you have a voice within the tech world. Our
1: voice our choices.
3: As COVID-19 wreaks havoc and suffering across the globe, the feminist digital practices we've heard about in this podcast reveal how necessity really is the mother of invention. From creating safe digital spaces, to introducing the internet to intersectionality and making it mirror all its users, to using social media as a tool of empowerment, and by moving beyond the practice of disruption to which Silicon Valley's predominantly white male workforce lays claim the women behind these practices demonstrate how feminist tools can be used to counter the very real disruption caused by a pandemic. You've been listening to Our Voices, Our Choices, the gender politics podcast from the Heinrich Bowe Foundation. You can subscribe to this series on iTunes, Spotify and SoundCloud, or you can find us at boell.de forward slash podcasts. And if you want to get in touch, drop us a line at podcast at boell.de. I'm Esme Nicholson. Thanks for listening and till next time guitar solo